Well, look at you. You braved the elements. Remember last week when I was up here going, oh, the big blizzard of 2020. Well, it turned out we did have a pretty big blizzard in 2020. So welcome here. We're in this series called The Now. The Now. It's interesting because last week we talked about the fact that we learn from the past and we live in the now and then we shape the future. It's really important because I've had some people speak to me over the last few months and say, man, 2020 is going to be such a big year for Southside Church. And I mean, I'm in. Absolutely. I believe it 100%. And then they say, because you guys are building a building. And there's something about that that just kind of gives me a caution and I kind of want to make something real clear. I really do believe that God wants to bring revival to the city. And what revival means actually is that um, God brings life to dead places. God brings hope in place of despair. God brings light to dark places. That God brings construction into families instead of destruction. See, I think it's a big deal. I think God wants to bring revival to our city. I really, really do. But, but I also should be very honest and tell you that I don't think revival starts in a building. <laughs> I don't. I don't think revival comes because of concrete walls and steel beams. I don't think revival comes because of a gymnasium floor, for that matter. I believe there's really only one way that revival can start. I believe revival needs to start in your chest. That's it. It starts in your heart. And I really believe that God has a great story to tell in and through this church. And I do believe that we are going to bring more hope and more help and more home to this city in 2020 and beyond. But it really starts in your chest. And so we've been talking a lot in this series about posture. Posture, how we can posture ourselves for power. If you read through the Bible, you'll notice from the beginning to the end that our posture impacts the degree to which God's power plays out in our lives. See, because here's the truth. I really believe that in 2020, I really believe this, that in 2020, God wants to tell a great story in your life. I do. I think he wants to tell a great story in my life. I think he wants to tell a great story through, through us. And I actually believe that the story that he has us to tell is bigger than we could ever pull off on our own. And so for that reason, I'm as desperate for his power as I ever have been. And so that's what we're talking about, posture. We want to posture ourselves for power. So when we come in here, we practice our posture. We come with enthusiasm and expectancy and faith. And, yeah, desperation, too. And we've been framing this discussion around an Old Testament life story. A guy named Samuel lived 3,100 years ago. And even as I say that, I want to make sure that I'm clear. We've been talking about Samuel for a while. And you might think if you're here for the first time, for the first time in a long time, well, man, I'm like coming partway through. This sermon isn't going to make sense. Every sermon that I ever preach here, that we ever preach here, stands alone. Having said that, though, as, as I'm speaking today, there's something about what I say that kind of piques your interest. You can always go back to the podcast or the website and, uh, and look for yourself. But we've been talking about Samuel, you know. And I know that our study in the life of Samuel is almost over. I know that because I'm a rocket scientist, and last week we talked about Samuel's death and funeral. So when you get to someone's death and funeral, often you're nearing the completion of the study of their life, right? Okay. But the story of Samuel in the Bible actually continues. One of the weirdest stories you will ever hear. 
And it's really good that it does because I believe that God has given me some truth today and in the next couple weeks that's really, really profoundly going to affect you in 2020 and beyond. Okay, so we're gonna pick up the story here in 1 Samuel 28. Now Samuel was dead. I told you. Yeah, I warned you. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Kind of important. Just put that in the back of your head. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Okay? We'll just shove that for a second. And then the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem. Well, Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. So they're going to fight, you know? When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. He was afraid. What does that look like? Like this, terror filled his heart. I will tell you something for 2020 that you need to be very much aware of. It is okay, it is even proper and right to feel fear. It is never okay to be afraid. Fear is an emotion, afraid is a state of being. It is okay, it is even proper to feel fear. It is never okay to be afraid. The way, that, the way that the Bible here describes this state of being that is afraid is this. Terror filled his heart. It's like those Snickers commercials. You're, you're not really you when you're hungry. Ever hear those, you know? Well, you're definitely not you when you're afraid. When you've gone from feeling fear to being afraid. You don't make good decisions. We're going to see that in, in, in Saul. But I think it's important you and I understand the same thing can happen to us. We're kind of living our life in the worst case scenario, you know? Giving up today because of what might happen tomorrow in the days to come. It's okay to feel fear. It's right and proper at times to feel fear. You just can't be afraid. Like if somebody walked in here today and they chucked a wasp nest down on the floor. Don't know why I picked that illustration. Uh, it's kind of disturbing to me, to be truthful. Uh, but let's say they did. Bang, wasp nest on the floor, you know? And the wasps start buzzing out. It would be weird if you did not feel fear in that moment, right? Like if, if Joey nudges Tamara while the wasps are buzzing around them, hey, would you like a, a piece of gum? You know, Mike's going to be pretty boring along again today, so he might as well chew some gum while we're waiting. And he just sits there nonchalantly. That would be weird and not, actually not useful. But it's also not useful either uh, if you step past feeling fear to this state of being called afraid or your heart filled with terror, right? So you're running around, waving your arms, going, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. That's also not useful or helpful. So Saul blows past feeling fear, and he's in this state called afraid. His heart is filled with terror, and he's about to make a bad decision. Here it comes. Remember what I told you to put aside in the back of your mind? Here it is. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. So really simple, right? What Saul's doing there is like, God, I've got a problem, and you are not helping. We're about to go to battle with the Philistines, and I could use a little help here. I could use a little direction here. I could use a little assistance here. I could use a word, a word. I, I could use some power here, and you're not speaking. 
kind of reminds me of me sometimes. Reminds me of you too. Times of our life where we're seeking direction. We're, we're wanting to know, you know whether we should go right or left or whether we should step up to that opportunity or not. And, and we look to God and we feel like, God, why aren't you speaking? Why aren't you giving me direction? See, in this series so far, in week one, we talked about uh, our sociological posture. Our sociological posture is really important, right? Like, we're living in a community of people, and if we choose to, we can look around and start to compare ourselves to other people and get jealous of other people. Or we can look up to a Heavenly Father who gave you every gift and every ability and every talent and every opportunity, and you can live a life taking everything He's given you, looking up and saying thank you. And then last week, we talked about a chronological posture where we, we do, we learn from the past, we live in the now, live in the present, and we shape the future. Well, today I want to talk about a directional posture, and this is so important, listen to me. You can choose clarity. You can choose clarity. Or you can choose confusion. It's up to you. And since we're in 2020, you know, 2020 is about vision, I was thinking in 2020, why don't we choose that was sort of funny. You're just looking at me like that. We should choose clarity. It's too late, man. Like a little. <clears throat> By the way, if you're here, you stepped into church for the first time or for the first time in a long time, and you're like, I don't know about all this posture stuff. Look, I'm just kind of checking out this whole Jesus thing, checking out this whole church thing. I do want to tell you one thing. The entire Bible says that God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of clarity. So here's your posture. Here's your next step. Just ask God really simply, if you are real and you love me, show me. And he will, because he's a God of clarity. I really think that our directional posture is not something that is beyond our control. I believe that you and me today, we can choose clarity and reject confusion. Because I believe God is still speaking and God has spoken. And I think when we step into confusion, we might not realize it, but I think we chose to. Because I think there's sometimes God speaks and we frankly don't really like what he had to say. been hearing a lot about this Whole30 diet. You ever heard about the Whole30? No? I did a little research. I know a lot of people that did it, the Whole30, and I, I did a research and I found out that the one thing with the Whole30 food is there's something that every single food item that you're allowed in the Whole30 plan has in common. None of it's any good, okay? So I, I, I looked it over, and, uh, and, 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 and so, so let's imagine that I looked at the Whole30, rejected it because of my nutritional brilliance, okay? So I rejected the Whole30, and I came up with my own plan, and I called it the Roll30, okay? So instead of the, the Whole30, it's the Roll30, and it rhymes, so it's going to work equally as well. And here it is. It's brilliant. Listen to this. This is amazing, okay? What I decided is that what I need to do is that for 30 days, I'm going to live on nothing but those dinner rolls from Safeway. You know what I'm, yes, thank you, thank you, I got a witness, I got a, okay, so, so you can heat them up and just slather those bad boys with butter, it's the roll 30, okay, right, and it's brilliant because it rhymes with whole 30, so it's going to work exactly the same, I'm going to be ripped and ready to rumble in 30 days, it's going to be amazing, the roll 30, okay, so now let's just imagine that I start to ask people, hey, what do, what do you think of this idea, 
Okay, so I just go from person to person to person to person to person. Hey, like, what do you think of the, the Rule 30? And, and let's imagine that you guys are super unkind, okay? And you're just like, no, it's a dumb idea. You know, well, what about dumb idea? Okay, but what, what, what do you, dumb idea, you know? Like, and, and, and I just keep, and finally, you know, finally, I, I, I come to Cam and I say, Cam, like, no one else likes it, but do you love, you know, it's the, it's the Rule 30. What you, that's right, and he gives me a thumbs up. He's a doctor, too, and he's just like, wow, amazing, see? You don't come here just for, like, I got it going on, okay? So Doc, doc, doc Cam says, it's m- m- amazing, brilliant, uh, you know? Uh, and, th- and then I walk, listen, but then I walk away and I go, I'm so confused. Because... 287 people told me no, but one person told me yes, I wonder. See, I I think sometimes we choose confusion when God has spoken, but something inside of me says, I don't like it. But, 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 But I really do believe that God's a God of clarity and we can choose it if we believe that really he has a life of power for us. I, I think the other way that we can uh, choose confusion is when we fail to make connections. Corinne calls me the king of segues. I'm, I'm, I'm a great connector. I'm good at connecting things. I think it's important in life to be able to con- connect things. And I think sometimes we're like, God, I need direction in this area, okay? Like the Philistines are coming and I'm facing a giant and I got some battles and I, I need you to speak and you keep changing the subject. You keep talking and I don't see any connection. Can I make a suggestion to you? If you're in a state of confusion or frustration today, I'll just give you one suggestion. Why don't you step back and do the last clear thing that God told you to do? Because I'll bet they're connected. And, and, And if you can't go back and remember the last clear thing that God told you to do, then ask him to give you one clear thing. when I'm coaching basketball and the practice ends and uh, I see there's a kid on the phone and he's talking to his mom and he's rude to his mom and he hangs up on her. And I always say, uh, hey, call your mom back. Pardon? Yeah, call your mom back. Say sorry. <laughs> what do you mean, call my mom? Like you're a basketball coach. Oh, they're connected. As your basketball coach, I really need you to call your mom back and say sorry. What are you talking about? What's the connection? Oh, here it is. Um, I need people that can perform well under pressure. You understand? Even when life is hard, when the game is difficult, we perform well. Or people who would be great teammates. Or people who come through in the clutch. So call your mom back and say you're sorry, because they're connected. Can I talk about Saul again for a second? Speaking of failure to make connections. So Saul says, God, my heart is filled with terror. You know, and, and, and here come the Philistines. I need a little help. I need a little direction. I need, I need some clarity, God. And I think to myself, well, Saul, generations and generations earlier, God had spoke through Moses, you know, the one who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and into freedom. And then he spoke again through Joshua, the one who led the people of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. And God said this, do not be, don't be afraid, Saul. That truth has been passed on for generation to generation to generation, and you're in a state of terror right now. You're, you've chosen to be afraid. Make the connection, Saul. 
where God sent the prophet to Samuel, sorry, God sent the prophet Samuel to Saul a whole bunch of times with a very simple message. Stop trying to kill David. Stop trying to kill David. He's the anointed future king of Israel. Stop trying to kill him. And what did Saul do? In his jealousy, continued to try to kill David. Well, now think about this for a second, because I want us to make I want us to see how things are connected. So David spends much of his life in those years running for his life. And David is such a strong leader, by the way, that as he's running for his life, he gathers around him a group that the Bible calls the mighty men. Historians will tell you that it's one of the most elite special forces ever assembled in history. A veritable provisional army. And Saul is chasing David and chasing David and chasing David and David and his mighty men are running for his life. Oh, by the way, because David will not do any harm to Saul. What's the connection? Oh, you're about to face a battle with the Philistines, Saul. Man, how would this battle look different, huh, if you had one of the greatest leaders in history on your side, along with his mighty men and one of the greatest special forces ever assembled? That would change things, wouldn't it? It's connected. Thank you. It would. It's connected. It's connected. I I really do believe that when we talk about directional posture, when we want to live a powerful life in 2020 and beyond, I think we can choose clarity. I do. So what I want to do today is I want to go through four areas that I believe God has spoken with great clarity. Some of them might apply to your life directly. I hope they do. And others, if they don't apply to your life directly, maybe you can find a connection. Okay? Because if you're facing frustration and confusion in your life right now, Here's what you do. You go back to the last clear thing that God told you to do, and you do it. So let's start here. Self-worth. Self-worth. Jesus said it this way in Luke 12. What's the price of two or three pet canaries? Some loose change, right? Listen to this. Some loose change, right? But God never overlooks a single one. Did you hear that? God never overlooks a single one. That's incredible. And he, said, and, and he pays even greater attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head, or lack thereof. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. In that context, what it meant was your worth is infinite. Please, please find a connection. Please find a connection here. Jesus is saying, you can, you must live your life for an audience of one. Okay, so in other words, here's what I'm saying. The God who spoke the universe into existence created you on purpose with a purpose for a purpose. That's true. That's absolutely true. That the same God who spoke the universe into existence, you're his idea. He thought you up. And he loves you with an everlasting love. So much so that he sent his one and only son into human history on a mission of redemption. And Jesus died on a cross so that you could hand him all your wrong 
and take his right. That you could get past your past. Your sins could be forgiven. And step by step, your hurts could be healed. And then Jesus, after he died, he rose again on the third day. He defeated death for you. Your eternity, your eternity is absolutely secure. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, you know what he did? He sent his Holy Spirit. So between now and eternity, between now and eternity, that's called your life. Between now and eternity, you can actually live with power. Like you can and you must live for an audience of one. And yet there's something inside of you and there's something inside of me. I'm telling you right now, there's a gravitational pull inside of me and there's a gravitational pull inside of you. There is. And, and, and before we know it, we're going to be living our life for the acceptance, for the approval, for the applause of people. Over and over again, you're going to be pulled there. But Jesus says, you can and you must live for an audience of one. One of the last things I do before I preach, every single time I preach, I'll be behind those black curtains. I'll be there sitting or off and I'm, I'm walking around and I'm praying out loud. And I'm praying about this. I pray that God would bind the spirit of fear in me and give me power. You understand? That I would preach what he wants me to preach, not be thinking, man, I wonder what you want me to preach that he would give me a spirit of love. You know what I mean? So that I'm not up here looking to take anything from you. I don't want applause from you. I don't want acceptance from you. I don't want approval from you. But, but I do have something for you. I got hope. I got joy, I got strength, I got courage, I got the message of the gospel that'll change your past, your present, your future, and your eternity. But there's something inside of me and I think there's something inside of you too. And next thing you know it, Instead of living your life for an audience of one, you're going to be gravitating to this place where you're living for the acceptance, for the approval, for the applause of people. Jesus says, I got a better idea. Why don't you live from, why don't you live from, why don't you live from the acceptance? Why don't you live from the approval? Why don't you live from the applause? of the God who spoke the universe into existence. Yeah, you're right. I said for the applause, from the applause of the God who spoke the universe, and he's crazy about you. He loves you so much. Second Corinthians 5 says this, that Jesus Christ, God's son, who knew no sin, became sin so that you could become the righteous. You're as right as right can be right now. He's crazy about you. So why don't you live from from his approval, from his acceptance, from his applause. I'll tell you what, so much of what you're confused about in your life right now, what you're frustrated about in your life right now, I wonder, I really, really wonder, does it connect back to this? Because I think, you know, if you start to live for the approval of people, you're just, you're gonna be exhausted. Can't, you can't please all the people all the time. Have you ever noticed that? You just be tired trying. Jesus said, it, Jesus said he came to give you rest for your soul. 
And I honestly think if you start to live for the approval and for the acceptance of people, you're gonna get beat up. Because it's like you're going to a broken person and you're saying, can you please make me whole? They're ill-equipped to do so. Let me say that again. They are ill-equipped to do that. They can't do it for you. You know what broken people are really equipped to do? They're really equipped at breaking people. When you're asking them to do something that they can't do, broken people break people, hurting people hurt people. That's what they do. I think it's connected. I think it's connected. If you're, if you're in a place of frustration or confusion in your life right now, I really think what you should do, go back to the last clear thing that God told you to do, and maybe it's this. Do not give up. Keep living your life for an audience of one. Let me tell you some clear things that God says about relationships. Relationships. Number one, if you're single, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can feel fear. Just don't be afraid. Because you don't live your life for the approval, for the acceptance, for the applause of people anyways, do you? Or even from, from, for that, from that one person, do you? You don't live for that. You live your life from the applause, from the approval, from the acceptance of the God who spoke the universe into existence. So don't be afraid. Secondly, if you're single and you're looking to date, date someone who loves Jesus. We're talking about having a posture of, no, did I say, so, I didn't say someone perfect, did I? No, okay. Just want to make sure I didn't say that because we'd all be in trouble. Okay, so somebody who loves Jesus, because we want to posture ourselves for power, right? So you want somebody who has a shared posture. Thirdly, uh, don't have sex until you're married. <laughs> I don't know why I, la- I laughed all three times when I said that. Like, it's funny. I don't mean, I don't think it's funny. It's difficult, though. In our culture, it's difficult. Look, sometimes it, it feels confusing, but I think we need to choose clarity. You know what I mean? That God created sex as a, as a gift. And, it's, it's, it, and, and sex is way more than physical. Sex is all, like a, a whole life connection, mind, body, soul will, emotions, connected. And I think that you should, should, should not have sex until you're married. So what's the piece of paper? It's a big deal about a piece of paper. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I, I could care less about the piece of paper. I don't, like, let's just forget the whole piece of paper thing. What I'm talking about is before God, when you get married, what it is is it's an invitation for God's blessing. It's a stepping into his provision, his protection, and his blessing. That's what marriage is. It's weird because the Bible says do not commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. Is that clear? That's not confusing, right? Do not commit. In other words, don't have sex with someone you're not married to. But, 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 but think about the word commit, commit. I ha- in, in order to commit adultery, I've got to be committed. I've got to make a decision. I'm committed to stepping out from under the provision the protection and the blessing of God. I'm committed to do so. I would say to you, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, you know what I didn't say? Don't did that. Did I say don't did that? No, because, because that would be ridiculous. Listen to me. You really need to hear this. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about God's plan for you today. 
I didn't say don't did that. That would be weird. Because if I start on don't did that, we'll never, we'll never run out of things that I don't did should have done. That was weird. Okay, so, but, but, but what, no, what I'm suggesting is God has a plan for you today. I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm not talking about six weeks ago. I'm talking about today. Today. God's a, clar- a God of clarity today. Marriage. Oh, marriage. Uh, marriage. Love is a battle. Fight for it. Love is a battlefield. Pat Benatar, 1985. <laughs> of course you did. Ah, back in the days of payphones. Okay, so... Love is a battle. Love is a battle. In marriage, love is a battle. Fight for it. A couple months after Corinne and I got married, I remember my mom went up to Corinne. She said, have you ever noticed, Corinne, that Mike sometimes gets in really annoying moods? And obviously Corinne said, no, no, no. Okay, so Corinne said, yes, I have noticed that. My mom said, I call them the two by four to the side of the head mood. My mom was speaking figuratively. I want to be clear on that, mostly, okay? So uh, the reason why I can get pretty annoying sometimes, I've told you before that I was an ADHD kid growing up, okay? So I'm very, very, pretty high energy, okay? And I'm very easily bored, okay? And one of the things that I have found an awesome way to alleviate my boredom is to annoy people. (laughs) Right? Okay, so, I mean, I remember being in a university class and the prof said, hey, how many people here would prefer no attention to negative attention. And everybody was putting their hand up. I'm like, are you guys insane? That's so boring. I'd, you know? So anyways, uh, we had eight Christmas services a few weeks ago. Awesome, awesome, amazing. But I got pretty bored in between services because there was like almost a full hour between every service. It was excruciating, okay? So uh, after the third service though, I realized that the ushers had these flashlights, these little flashlights that were like as bright as the sun. And so what I started to do is to alleviate my boredom, I started walking around shining the light into people's eyes. It was awesome. So I would spend the entire time between, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I would spend, I'm, that is bright, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's, no, not at all, okay. But I would spend my entire time between services just walking around saying, have you been drinking? Have you, you know? Have you, and, and I just never got bored of it. Or I would hide behind the curtains and I would just shine it at people. By the way, uh, how does it feel? This is me every, these things are shining at me every time. You're not so fun, is it? Okay. Oh, I like your toque. It's awesome, okay. Uh, so, so I just did, and I, and I found it awesome. But I thought to myself, as I was preparing for this week, uh, how this, shining this flashlight actually, it's, it's a little bit like marriage. Marriage is pretty annoying sometimes. <laughs> no, that's true, right? Like, like, next thing you know, you look at that person you're married to, and like the way they breathe starts to frost your flakes. You know, it's like, how can you breathe so annoying? Like, I've never heard anyone chew so weird in my entire life. And, uh, but love is a battle, and I don't know if I can stop doing this. This is just fantastic. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta fight for it. You gotta fight for it. It's funny because sometimes I see, you know, couples have been dating for a couple months and they say to each other, I love you. I love you. They've been dating for two months. I love you. And I actually, I find that really beautiful. I find that really beautiful because it's a statement of faith. But it's not fact yet. But it's a beautiful statement of faith. 
Because here's what I know about love. It's a battle. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a deep spring. And the only way to get there is this long faithfulness in the same direction. That's the only way you get there. And you've got to blow past infatuation, butterflies, and even physical attraction. You look at each other and say, I'm never, ever giving up on you, and you keep digging. And one day, you get there. And faith becomes fact. And it's a whole different kind of beautiful. And it's real me. And it's real you. And you know what? It was worth the fight. See, God's a God of clarity. And and, and I think right now, today, as we launch into a new decade, we should choose clarity. Career. I hear people say to young men and young women nowadays, what are you going to do for a living? What are you going to do for a living? What are you going to do for a I find myself actually with my three youngest boys, uh, Gabe, Bedza, Samuel sometimes. What are you guys going to do for a living? What are you going to do? 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 And the, the other day I just felt so convicted. Because it's not really about making a living, is it? It's what makes you alive. It's not about making a living. It's about what makes you alive. Psalm 37 verse 4 in the Bible says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that cool? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So instead of worrying so much about how I'm going to make a living, what if I worried about what makes me feel alive? Okay, and, and so here's what I mean. What if, what if we separated greed and just got rid of it? What if we got rid of pride and peer pressure and ego and, 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 and expectations of other people? And what if I asked myself, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. What are the desires of my heart? See, then I think we'd, we'd stop worrying so much about making a living and, and, and start pursuing uh, how we're going to make ourselves alive. And don't get me wrong, I, like, no matter what, I, I remember in the years after graduating from university, I started teaching school and coaching sports. Hey, look, a flashlight. Would you look at that? Isn't that amazing? Uh, but but I'm, I'm teaching and I'm coaching, and I loved it, man. It made me feel alive. But when I say it makes you feel alive, I should be really clear. In my first couple years of teaching, in order to like learn the stuff I had to teach the kids before I had to teach them, I got up every day at 3 a.m. I woke up at 3 a.m. and then I rode my bike to school. And the truth is, while I was riding my bike to school at 3.15 a.m., I did not feel very alive. Okay, what I'm talking about though is a core, you know, at the core of who I, 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 I was, I am, I, it, it, it made me feel alive. There's a grind involved, and the grind isn't always the fun part, but you know in the depth of who you are, man, this is. Martin Luther King said this, hey, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, you know what you should do? Sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted. Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great, sweet street sweeper who did his job well. And the truth is, by the way, when you pursue that, what, what, what makes you uh, feel alive. Um, 
You don't realize nowadays your grandpa or your grandma might say, man, whatever you pick, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. In 2020, here's the truth. You might do three or four different careers, but one thing that they're all going to have in common, my prayer for you is one thing that they would all have in common is at the core of who you are. You feel alive. Money. You know God has a clear plan for money, right? There's some clear things that God says in the Bible about money. Here's one of them. Uh, everything you have comes from God and belongs to him. <laughs> you say, well, wait a minute. It's actually my hard work. He gave you the ability to work hard. It's actually my ingenuity and my brilliance. He gave you the ingenuity and the brilliance. Good, good job. Um, well, actually, I was born into a wealthy family. Uh, he chose the family that you would be born into. So, so, so all I'm saying is this. Here's a clear thing for you. Everything you have comes from God, belongs to God. So just live a life that says thank you. That's all. Here's the second thing. Money can buy you happiness. Money can actually buy you happiness. That's sweet, right? Money can buy you happiness. Now, it doesn't really work the way that our culture has tried a little bit, like uh, through affluence and uh, acquisition. It's weird because do you know that we're, we live in the most affluent culture in human history? And I think sometimes as a culture, <coughs> we thought to ourselves that money is like an end in itself, and so we've tried acquisition and accumulation, and we wonder why it didn't make us happy. Well, it was never meant to be an end in itself. I would, you know what I wish? I wish God would just be clear then, you know? Like money can buy happiness, but it doesn't work that way, and we live in this culture that's the most medicated, miserable, and, 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 and anxious culture in history, and that doesn't work. Well, then what does work? Be clear. Well, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul quoted Jesus, and this is what he said. Now, I know, I know this is really, really out there, but let me see if I can try to find some clarity in it for us. He said this, you will be more blessed when you Help me. Somebody. Give. Thank you. Then when you... Okay. We need to unpack that. Let's go back to the original Greek because this is confusing. Okay, so I'm just trying to find some clarity here. You will be more blessed when you give than when you get. I think that... I know. This is crazy. I think I might have found a shred of clarity in there. So, So what are you saying, Mike? Here's what I'm saying. What if there was a church in this town called Chilliwack, and what what if they gave uh, uh, like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to do things like preparing diaper bags for new moms? And when I say diaper bags, I mean souped up everything you could possibly need. And what if one of those diaper bags, right around Christmas, went to a couple far from home in a state of emergency, in a state of panic, I wonder, listen, listen, I wonder if that couple, when they got that diaper bag from this church called Southside, thought to themselves, God sees me. And more than that, I wonder if, 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 if the fact that these generous men and women that go to this church, that are part of this movement, part of this church called Southside, will they be blessed because of that? I guess what I'm saying to you is, yes. I guess what I'm saying is that according to the Bible, you're blessed when you're a blessing. So you live to give, not to get. So you bless the people who are closest to you. You know? 
you bless the people who are far from you. Or as the old preacher say, you can't take it with you, but you, you can send it on ahead. That's kind of cool. Like when you invest in people, it has this like exponential impact. Money. Money's confusing our culture, and I think sometimes money is confusing our culture. Um, I don't know, because we sort of cho- choose for it to be, because we don't always want to step into faith. Because here's another thing that God says in the Bible. You can invite his blessing into your financial life. You can invite him to bless your financial life. In the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, uh, there's a thing called the tithe. And the, t- the tithe is like radical faith. It really, really is. It's radical faith. The tithe says, since everything that I have comes from and belongs to God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring back, I'm going to bring back to God what is God's, the first tenth of what he has given me. And then here's the radical faith part of it. Listen, here's the radical faith part of it. Uh, and, and I believe that when I do that, I'm inviting God's blessing into my life to such a degree that he will bless me more with the 90 than I could have blessed myself with 100. That's it. You say that's confusing. No, it's not confusing. It might be difficult. It's absolutely crystal clear. And in all my years of leadership, in all my years of pastoring, you know what I've seen? Over and over and over and over and over again, God is faithful. And people are blessed with contentment and fulfillment and joy. Yeah, and provision that they could never come up with by dismissing God from their financial world. See, I think as we launch into this new decade, we gotta choose, we gotta choose, we gotta choose clarity, choose clarity. And if you're in a spot in your life anywhere right now where you're facing a frustration or confusion, here's what you do. Go back to the last clear thing that God told you to do and do it. Let me pray for you. Let's um, maybe take a moment of personal reflection, if you don't mind, bowing your heads and closing your eyes. That'd be so awesome. So I can't do a sermon on clarity without getting a little bit personal. So let me talk to you. God loves you. Absolutely, fully, and completely. God loves you. So much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, And Jesus died so that you could get past your past. That your sins could be forgiven. You don't have to carry that baggage around with you anymore. So that your eternity could be secure. And so that you could live each day with power. Everything that had to be done for your salvation has been done. So now in this moment of clarity with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if today is the day you want to accept Jesus' free gift through his death and resurrection, I want to pray for you right now. So if you don't mind, if you just raise your hand nice and high, and I want to pray for you right now. It's amazing. Nice and high if you don't mind. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, put your hands down. So for those of you who just raised your hands, I'm going to pray out loud, and I ask that you would just pray silently along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for clarity. Thank you for stepping into human history so you could step into my life. Today I ask you to be my savior. Pray that you would forgive my sins. Take away my shame and my regret. Give me a fresh start right now. 
And today, Jesus, I thank you that you rose again. I ask you to be my Lord. I want to follow you one next step at a time. Pray that you would give me a life worth living. Starts now and stretches all the way into eternity. And for all of us today, God, on this, and it's such a weird, snowy week, man, I'm thankful for every person here today. God, I pray that we would choose clarity this year. That you would take us from, from obedience to obedience, from strength to strength, from power to power. That there's a revival that starts in our chest. Change us. And you've changed us to change this city one life, one story at a time. I pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. Hey, thanks so much for watching today. Why don't you come join us at any of our four Sunday services? We meet at Sardis Secondary School in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And for more info, you can visit southsidelife.com.